This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. I am your your host, Clark Rockfall, ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. Thank you to everyone who is listening via your favorite podcast player, and of course, not only listening, but downloading, rating, and reviewing, and also to everyone listening on the ACB Media Network. As always, if you want to learn more about ACB, please visit our website, acb.org, and if there are advocacy issues that you are interested in that you'd like to share with us, please email us at advocacy at acb.org. Well, this is our Thanksgiving episode of the Advocacy Update podcast. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I hope you are all celebrating with family and friends and you are safe, warm, and getting ready to nod off to a food coma. Um, But before you fall asleep and in between football games, please listen to this episode of the Advocacy Update. It was a conversation that took place earlier this month, hosted by one of our special interest affiliates, ACB Diabetics in Action, in conjunction with the ACB Get Up and Get Moving campaign. Uh, November is Diabetes Awareness Month, and not to put a damper on the Thanksgiving festivities, uh, but we all know that this is a disease that is the leading cause of blindness for working age adults in the United States and does disproportionately impact people of color um, and causes conditions such as diabetic retinopathy. So it is a topic that is timely to the month of November and is a, it is important to our members and the broader blindness community. So we'd like to spotlight it here. And for more information regarding this topic, as well as the call to action in this podcast, which will be to ask your members of Congress to support H.R. 4853, the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act. Uh, Please see the notes for this podcast for some more background information on this bill, as well as uh, information about ACB Diabetics in Action. So without further ado, I will turn it over to Tom Tobin, who's the steering, get up and get moving steering committee chair, as well as president of ACB Diabetics in Action, and the advocacy chair for ACBDA, Chris Gray. So everyone again, happy Thanksgiving and enjoy. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to a legislative seminar which is being sponsored in part by ACB Diabetics in Action and the Get Up and Get Moving campaign. Welcome. We're so glad to have you here. And uh, we're going to try something a little bit different. We're going to try leveraging Zoom today and and all of us to uh, do a mini kind of legislative seminar where we get educated by a few people who hopefully can educate us, and I know they can. And uh, then we can talk about techniques and so forth. And in this part one, 
if you want to, and I hope you do, we'll do some role playing at the end uh, about the things we've talked about during the uh, the session itself. After this, we will have a second day of activities. And on this day, you will have done your best to implement what we learned today, contacting your legislators, contacting their their legislative aides, which is probably who you'll tend to talk to, but anyway, and making appointments with them to come and join us on a Zoom call and talk about for, for about a half hour, you won't get more of their time than that, about legislation. There'll be a third call, which will be a wrap-up, and uh, we'll want your input on whether this was valuable to you. Did you learn things? Was it helpful, et cetera, et cetera? <clears throat> and should we do this again? So uh, that's kind of the, the three-pronged approach that we've adopted to, to try and see how it works. And uh, I'm excited about it. I, I hope you are, too. I haven't looked to see how many of you there are here. And uh, incidentally, welcome to uh, those who came on ACB Radio and uh, uh, ACB Media 6. We hope you're here as well, and uh, welcome. And now I'd like to turn the program over to the chair of the Get Up and Get Moving campaign and the president of ACB Diabetics (laughs) in Action for his welcome and whatever comments he wants to make. So, uh, Tom Tobin, take it away. Thanks so much, Chris. Uh, Good afternoon, everybody. It's great to have you all here with us today. Um, On behalf of ACB Diabetics in Action and the Get Up and Get Moving campaign, um, I just want to say it's really delightful to have this collaborative effort. And uh, we are also working closely uh, with ACB uh, National as well. So it's a real, everybody's involved in this process. And so we're really glad to have everybody's involvement here, um, bringing you guys what I think is going to be a, just a wonderful, I like to call it Advocacy 101 Primer. <laughs> so it's, uh, I think it's going to be a great uh, time here this afternoon. And I would like just to take a minute to acknowledge and recognize those folks who really have done the yeoman's work here um, and are really the ones that are, deserve the credit and acknowledgement and recognition for bringing this great workshop called you. And that's uh, Sheila Styron uh, is the uh, chair of uh, the Get Up and Get Moving Advocacy Subcommittee. She unfortunately got called away to a work conflict today, so she can't join us today. But I see we're recording this, so that'll be good. Um, and then, as you've heard, Chris Gray and Charles Navarrete are co-chairs of ACB Diabetics in Action Legislative Committee. Uh, and these guys have worked really hard to bring this great program to you all. So um, I hope that uh, everyone enjoys the programming. Uh, I know it's going to be very engaging and hopefully illuminating. And um, I'm sure everyone will take something away. So with that, Chris, I'll turn it back over to you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Thank you for being here. We uh, we thought we'd begin today by just having a little conversation about Diabetic Awareness Month, and uh, ACB has been very involved in promoting uh, this month, 
And I thought I'd let uh, Clark Rockfall, and if he wants to, Sueda, whose last name I'm terrified to say, so I'm not <laughs> going to. And, uh, but Clark, uh, give us a little intro before we start talking about legislation to Diabetes Awareness Month. And if you wish, uh, also to the Get Up and Moving campaign, I know you're one of the greatest proponents of it. I've been involved in it. So uh, what can you tell us? Well, thank you so much, uh, Chris and Tom. Thank you for including me in this session here today. Hello, everyone. Again, my name is Clark Rockfall, and I am ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. And I will let Swatha Nandakumar introduce herself. Yeah, so I'm Swatha Nandakumar. I am ACB's Advocacy and Outreach Specialist. Thanks, Swatha. And uh, Chris, I'm going to throw this back to you and Tom, because you two are really the experts here and have taught me most of what I know about National Diabetes Awareness Month. It's something that we've highlighted in our advocacy update podcasts with you both the last couple of years, as well as uh, during this month that we've highlighted some of our ACB resolutions brought forward by ACB Diabetics in Action, as well as our broader membership. Um, so, Tom, if you don't mind, sure. please please share with us uh, about sure. Diabetes Awareness Month. Thanks, Clark. Um, and Chris, feel free to chime in, too. I um, So, the American Diabetes Association is one of the largest uh, organizations in the United States to deal with people who are living with diabetes. Um, and they do a lot of fundraising to try and find a cure. And they um, actually reached out to ACB uh, several weeks ago to see if we would be interested organizationally in partnering up and collaborating with them on you know, National Diabetes Awareness Month, which is the month of November. Um, I talked to Jennifer Flat this morning, who is ACB's uh, manager of communications, and she mentioned that they had an absolutely great kickoff meeting several weeks ago. Uh, very promising, a lot of enthusiasm on both sides of the ledger, and um, you know, given schedules and things, uh, you know, it um, hasn't gotten much further than that right now. But it's important. Uh, that we try and partner and affiliate and collaborate with as many organizations who are dealing with diabetes um, as we can. So it'd be my hope, both as president of ACB Diabetics in Action and, and the Get Up and Get Moving campaign, that we could move that agenda uh, item forward. Um, and I think we can be mutually uh, beneficial to both organizations. So it's kind of where things stand. Um, obviously, diabetes is at epidemic levels, not just here in the United States, but all over the world. Um, so trying to educate people about the symptoms and what to look for, um, both in type two and type one diabetes, type two being um, a little trickier to diagnose, but, um, so that's, I think it's basically this month is to try and make people aware of what diabetes is and, uh, look out for the symptoms, uh, for becoming a diabetic and, uh, what actions to take and, um, you can find more information on diabetes.org. That's their website. And uh, they're, uh, you know, it's it, historically, Chris knows this, as may, some of you others do. Um, historically, we haven't had a lot of enthusiasm from the ADA uh, back in the day. <laughs> Chris is laughing because he knows. 
So um, it, it's, it's really nice to see there's new leadership in, in the ADA and that they are really interested in um, recognizing and acknowledging uh, that quite often, you know, diabetes and vision loss go hand in hand. So that's, that's my spiel, Chris. If you have more to add, feel free. No, not really. We, we did a series of podcasts for the Diabetes Awareness Month last year, and uh, they're still available. And you can always check them out. I think they were an extremely useful set of podcasts. So I encourage you to look at those. I'm not going to review the list and all that right now because I want to get down to business and talk about legislation and furthering legislation, the real purpose of this gathering today. Um, Let me dispense. There were two bills that you may have noticed on the agenda H.R. 4853 and S-2901. I seem to be one of the few people excited about S-2901 so far, but that's all right. Uh, we, it was introduced by uh, Senator Collins, a, a Republican, and uh, Senator Shaheen, a Democrat. So it's, uh, and it's in the Senate, which is, which is good. It's bipartisan, which is good. The problem is, um, there seems to be nothing happening with this this bill right now. I've reached out now multiple, multiple times to the L.A. of 2901. And let me give you the name, by the way. It's called Improving Medicare Beneficiary Access to Innovative Diabetes Technologies Act. Now, if that couldn't be more down our alley, I don't know what is, but whether something's down our alley or not, if it doesn't move, if it's, nothing's happening, you know, we can only devote so much time to it. I will continue to reach out, and I'm going to have a, uh, a great member of our Diabetics in Action reach out as well, who lives in the state uh, where Senator Collins comes from. Maybe she'll have more luck than I've had, but... Uh, Numerous phone calls and emails so far have not helped us learn any more about this act. So part of what advocacy is all about, and if you don't know this already, and I know many of you do, you'll find out it's often hard to get people's attention. That doesn't mean you can't. It just means it's hard. And, And you can't give up. I have not in the long term, probably reached out as many times or as hard as I should have. And uh, I don't feel guilty about that. I just acknowledge it. And so often that's the key. And uh, so I think getting somebody from the state could be very helpful. And uh, we'll, we'll just see what happens about that. I think it could have uh, great impact, great benefit. But I'm not going to waste any more time with it today because the truth is I don't have any more to say about it right now. And if we do these seminars again, that may change. And if we continue to create a working group, which could come out of these three seminars, it could change as well. The other piece of legislation that uh, we have today, and I think it probably has the greatest amount of merit to work on, is from the House of Representatives. It's H.R. 4853, Medical Device 
Non-Visual Accessibilities Act. That pretty well says it. And I'm going to introduce Clark back to talk with us. He can describe the act in a little more detail. And uh, he and Swayther can tell us the current status of what it is. And uh, depending on our time, we might take a little break and ask our ACB moderator. And by the way, thank you for being here to help us and raise, have like a few raised hands for not very many, but two or three questions. So Clark, Swada, take it away. Well, thank you so much uh, for that, Chris. And the the bill that Chris has asked Swatha and me to uh, introduce to you all is H.R. 4853, and that is the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act. Um, and I'll have uh, Swatha join me here, but basically what this bill would do is uh, – make accessibility a requirement and non-visual access to durable medical equipment a requirement for a device to be certified by the Food and Drug Administration. Um, so this is a bill that is introduced in the, in the House. Swatha, is there anything else that, um, that you would like to add about this legislation? Yeah, so this um, bill applies to things like glucose monitors and pacemakers, so all the kind of things that, like, things are classified as class 2 and 3 medical devices. So those things that we, like, need, things that um, need output, um, tactile output or tactile or, like, um, speech output or um, just... Text speech and phrases, so it'll make this possible. And um, the bill currently does not have a campaign in the Senate, so. That's right. And this is a bill that was introduced this year. Um, the FDA would have one year, once the bill's passed, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, would have one year to create. Um, a, a draft, you know, interim accessibility, non-visual access standard. Um, they would then have two years for that standard to be finalized and adopted. And then the effective date would be one year after that standard is adopted. Um, realize it sounds like a long time. Um, but when it comes to the the speed of government, as we as we all know, <laughs> uh, it takes time for these agencies to adopt rules, to consult with the the access board, as well as other inter you know, international and industry standard setting bodies, um, and to create consensus and buy in uh, to move an issue like this forward and to get something adopted. Um, I know. A lot of us have a pretty good sense of what it takes to make something accessible. Uh, so I think another added benefit of this is with a bill like this getting passed, uh, industry would see that the, you know, the writing is on the wall per se, and they would be able to move more quickly to begin introducing accessibility into their products. Um, specifically here for uh, 
inclusion on the products for the testing, monitoring, and management of one's diabetes. But like Swatha said, a, a much larger class of durable medical equipment. Um, you know, the, uh, this has class two and three uh, durable medical equipment devices, um, which would include those continuous glucose monitors, insulin pumps, um, and, and things of that nature. So much like the bill that Chris was talking about earlier is introduced only in the Senate and is introduced on a, a bipartisan basis, this bill is only introduced in the House of Representatives, uh, that is H.R. 4853, and the bill is, is sponsored by Representative Jan Schakowsky, a Democrat from Illinois. There are eight co-sponsors for this legislation, and all of the co-sponsors are Democratic members of the House of Representatives. So, Chris, back to you. Okay, thank you very much, Clark. Appreciate that, that update. And, you know, just a very brief comment. A lot of people have said to me, oh, why are we worrying about this? We're not going to get anywhere with this. It's not going to go anywhere. Let me remind everyone about the 21st Century Telecommunications Act. It took us coalition building and several years to get it passed. We got it passed. It took us more years of fighting and scrapping with the telecommunications industry who were every bit as uncooperative and unwilling to proceed as the medical community will be when this bill passes and something like it or this bill will pass. Uh, But we got there. Look at the amount of audio description we have today. And that's our goal. That's where we're headed with this effort and this work. Um, I I don't want to use much of our time. Uh, I I will take uh, two questions, if there are questions out there, about H.R. 4853. We have, uh, this is being recorded, so if you haven't selected the got it button, please do so on your computer or iPhone to raise Mm. your hand in the computer. It's Alt-Y. On the Mac, it's Option-Y. On your app, it's the lower right-hand corner, and select Raised Hand. On your phone, landline, it's star nine. To uh, mute and unmute on the computer, it's Alt-A, Mac, Command-Shift-A, app, lower left-hand corner, and on your phone, star six. Andy, go ahead, please. My question is, as far as H.R. 4853 is concerned, is there any effort to incorporate it into the uh, reconciliation package in the House? This is Clark, and I can answer that question. So the, the budget reconciliation package has, it doesn't seem like it when we're talking about uh, $1.75 trillion or $3.5 trillion, like the original package. Um, but there are uh, pretty uh, specific guidelines for what is eligible to be included in budget reconciliation as it pertains to the package. Um, so currently, this legislation is is not included in the budget reconciliation package. I do not believe that this would be eligible for budget reconciliation. 
um, because it does not deal with, uh, you know, federal funding. It's more the, the creation of accessibility regulations. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Andy, for the question. One more question. Roberta, go ahead, please. There. Um, can you um, share where we could actually see a copy of 4853? It's on congress.gov. I searched the bill number. It's, it's right there. It's a, it's a PDF, it's a PDF text. Too. And, and this is Clark. Chris, is that something that we can we can share with folks either through the ACBDA list? Uh, yeah, that would well, be... Uh, I mean, that would be great if somebody could post it on that list. Okay, great. Thank you for the question. Thank you. Uh, Can you walk us through, either of you, easily how to get there, or is it better to try and share it in later emails? Absolutely. So as as Swatha was saying, um, in my opinion or our opinion, the easiest way to access it is to go to the website for... Um, the Library of Congress, and go to congress.gov. And at the top of the page, there is a a search field where you can search by bill number, title, or text. And in that search field, you can enter HR 4853 or Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act. Um, The important thing to keep in mind is that we are in the 117th Congress, and the bill was introduced in 2021. Um, So if you you use search filters, um, you can can narrow down your search to just uh, this year or just the 117th Congress. Available on the page, it will include the bill title, the status, which right now is introduced, the committee that it's referred to, which is the, the House Energy and Commerce Committee, and there because it within the educate excuse me, within the Energy and Commerce Committee, there is a health subcommittee that has uh, jurisdiction over this legislation, and it includes information about the co-sponsors, the current co-sponsors, as well as the bill text. And the bill text is, is available as plain text, as a document, or as a, a PDF. Okay, very good. Thank you very much. I can see that we'll need to create uh, some emails about these kinds of things later because it's a lot of detail, uh, a lot of effort. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so that'll be it for questions for now. Let's move forward and talk about probably the very first thing that many will need to do. Uh, I I know some of us know, but I know most of us really don't know (laughs) our member of Congress, our representatives, our senators, and and how to contact them. And I'm going to introduce a member of the board of directors of ACBDA, former president of uh, the Blind Lawyers Association, to walk us through this uh, process and uh, also about contacting your legislator. And uh, Charles, I'll let you do just both at one time if you want to, because that's more efficient and probably just easier for you to manage. 
But uh, ladies and gentlemen, Charles Navarrete to talk to us about how to contact our legislators. Thanks, Chris. Um, well, you know, the first thing is if you don't know who your representative is or senators are, you can always call your county clerk or county registrar of voters. And if you give them your address, they'll identify your representatives for you. Um, otherwise, you can also, uh, you know, call information and get a hold of their local office. Well, after you identify your representatives, you can call um, information and get the phone number for their local office because they all have local offices within their district. But I think in this situation, it's probably better to contact their Washington office where they have their legislative aides located. The legislative aides are specifically uh, charged with informing the representative about pending legislation. Um, and they would be the best person to speak to. It's unlikely that you'll speak to the representative or be able to make an appointment to speak to the representative, even though you're from their district. Um, I've been participating in the visits to the Hills since the 90s, and I've only been able to speak to one representative, and it wasn't even my own. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's the legislative aide uh, is a person charged with uh, keeping the representative informed about the different pending legislations and is uh, most likely to be the most inf informative to the representative about those issues. Um, in order to contact the Washington offices, you can contact the capital operator, um, and their number is area code 202-224-3121. If you call information and, and ask for information about Washington, D.C., and ask for the capital operator, they'll give you that number. Um, so once you contacted your representative's office, um, you can then try to set up an appointment. Now, we're going to – this this uh, this – Situ this uh, seminar and an effort is going to set up a specific date or week for you to be able to use Zoom to, to speak to the legislator, assist, um, legislative assistant. Um, but if for some reason, because of the holiday season or vacations or other duties, they're unable to participate on that particular at that particular time, you should and can make a separate appointment to speak to them by phone. Uh, but the important thing is to make sure that you get an appointment with them to speak to them. And they're going to um, be more likely to speak to you if you're calling from the representative congressperson's district. Um, it's really hard sometimes to get an appointment if you're not from the district um, that uh, you're calling or may, trying to make an appointment with. So 
but you can try and see if you can make an appointment. Some will, some won't. Um, and you can also, at the same time, uh, try to get an appointment with the legislative aides for the senators from your state. Um, and that, that um, is done through the Washington offices as well. Um, now, when you do contact and have your appointment, um, you need to be prepared so that you can be clear and concise. It's important to have all the facts available to you at your fingertips so that you can clearly explain what the issues are, that why it's important to you as a blind person or as a blind diabetic, especially for these um, devices to be accessible. But, you know, as Chris said, 4853 um, also includes other devices, um, such as oximeters or um, blood pressure cuffs, things like that. And that's important for you to be able to know the readings without having to use a third technology, such as a second technology, such as an iPhone, something like that. Many of us, especially me, is kind of inept with the iPhone, and many blind people can't afford blind or iPhones. So it's important that this type of legislation be enacted so that you can get the information from the devices without relying on other technology or other people. Also, it's important to point out that, especially for diabetics, it's important because diabetes is the third leading cause of death in the United States. Um, the, uh, you know, the um, diabetes causes other problems like heart ailments, uh, arthrosclerosis, and other things that, you know, contribute to the morbidity of, of people. So it, it's important. It's, it's, it's a very important issue for diabetics. Um, so, you know, and, and if you can't access the information from glucometers or other similar devices, it's impossible to keep control of your diabetes. Um, so that's why it's important. And you need to uh, explain if you're a diabetic, why it's a blind diabetic, why it's important to you. You can give specific instances of how this type of legislation will affect your life and pro hopefully pro prolong it. So I think that, you know, once you make your appointment, be uh, prepared, clear and concise, and they'll ask you questions. And if you can answer the questions, answer them. But if you don't know the answer, don't try to uh, freelance it because that could affect their view of your credibility. And so it's important that, you know, you're, if you don't know the answer, tell them and refer them to someone that can help them uh, get the information they need. So anyway, um, you know, this is important, an important issue, and I hope that you'll uh, participate in this effort and hopefully get these um, 
statutes enacted. Thank you. Charles, thank you very much. And you know, the, the lead here, the most important lead thing you have, and don't ever forget this, is your story. Your story matters because you're going to tell it the best because it's yours. And that's going to help you reach out to whoever you're talking to and be able to really be successful in communicating. And you've always got backup. When they ask you things you don't know, you can refer them to ACBDA. You can refer them to Clark and Swatha at ACB. People have your back. So those are two things I'd, I'd really you know, keep track of. Charles, can you repeat the, the phone number for contacting legislators in D.C.? Yeah, it's area code 202-224-3121. Is that correct, Clark? Yes, that, that is correct for the capital switchboard. Um, for folks who are comfortable uh, navigating the, the websites, you can go to house.gov and search with your five-digit zip code. If your zip code or uh, if multiple congressional districts overlap your zip code, they may ask for your uh, street address or your, your full nine-digit zip code to narrow it down even further and identify your congressional district. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Clark. Or Swatha, do you have any more comments about planning your approach or any of the other things that, that Charles spoke about? I'll just add that um, these staffers are relatively, like, they have experience doing with the public, so they're not like that. They are very um not they're very friendly and very um open to conversation conversation. So yes, the the staffers are very approachable. Uh, if this is your first time reaching out, you might be surprised at how young many of <laughs> these staffers sound. So true, so true. But they are they are there to assist you. They are there. Um, for constituent outreach and constituent support services. They want to know what's important to the, you know, the voters and the residents of their congressional district. So as you're introducing yourself, be sure to say, I'm a voter and I live in, uh, you know, give your city or state or give your, uh, your city, state and zip code. Um, so they that they have a sense of what's important to their constituents and their voters. Um, many of the congressional offices will have uh, staff members or identified staff members who specifically deal with healthcare policy issues or disability rights issues. So if you want to ensure that you're speaking with the right person, you can always ask for their legislative, you know, their healthcare legislative aid um, and be directed from the, the assistant who is answering the phones to ensure that you're speaking with the, the right person or the most knowledgeable person on this topic. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. 
And, you know, uh, all this is true. And, and uh, you know, the aides do tend to be young, but they're usually very engaged, very smart, and very able to, you know, follow your conversation. You hope they follow your conversation, and most of them do. <laughs> I don't mean to scare you in that sense. I worked all the time in the state legislature in Missouri for 11 years. And I've been to, I can't tell you how many ACB legislative seminars. And I have to say, only twice, and they were both in the state of Missouri in a very, very red district, was I basically shown the door by a legislative aide. It can happen, but that is so rare and, and so unusual that you shouldn't have that be your expectation. I only mention my two cases because it can happen, but chances are it's not going to. They're going to welcome you. They're going to be interested in what you have to say, and they may or may not do much about it. And, of course, that's another issue, follow-up. And we haven't really put follow-up on the agenda today. We can end with that in a little bit if you want. But uh, 99% of my contacts with legislators and uh, Congress people have been uh, positive. I will say that my most difficult contact, just to share a funny story with you, uh, because you gotta you gotta have a sense of humor in this. You gotta you know look at it from all aspects. When I lived in California back in oh, it was early early 2000s. My job was to contact and get a representative to talk to me from Nancy Pelosi's office. Of course, you all know who Nancy Pelosi is. She wasn't Speaker of the House then, but she was she was still a big deal. And uh, I got to the interview. And the person that she had assigned to me was totally deaf. And I really, for about five seconds, did a double take. Like, how are we going to communicate? He did not have an interpreter. And maybe he wasn't totally deaf because we ended up being able to talk. If I could speak very slowly and refer to my uh, papers that I had brought him to talk to, <laughs> but just as kind of a laugh, that's got to be the most difficult meeting I've ever had with a legislator in my life. And uh, nothing much came of it, unfortunately, but I think that had more to do with uh, the agenda of Congresswoman Pelosi than anything else. And that's going to happen. You can't, you can't let that put you off. Some people will be responsive. Some people won't. There are things some people can do and some things they can't do. And, and that's a reality, too. It may not be their willingness or unwillingness, but it has to do with, with where they sit, uh, what their other responsibilities are, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so we're doing great on the agenda. I thought we might take longer than this. It's uh, almost a quarter to two, and I would like to entertain two questions about 
this topic or these topics, really there are three altogether, if you have them. And then, do. Oh, I'm sorry. what do you say we do some role playing? But first, how about two or three questions? Phone number, please unmute 978, area code 90, ending in 982. Yeah, this is uh, Gerard from Boston. I want to know, uh, what do we say to our legislators when we call them? I didn't get that part. Well, you kind of introduce yourself to their office and tell them that you're representing or you're part of an effort by ACB and diabetics and, and blind people to to get access to um, make the medical devices accessible to the, the blind and visually impaired community. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been fighting for that for a long time. Right. And, and, yeah, and well, you, Go ahead. What's the, web, what's the website to get the information? Diabetichelp.gov? Oh, on the bill. So you can go to congress.gov, and at the top there, the search bar. And you can search for the bill number, um, HR4853. My, my belief is that we're going to put together a little podcast here in the next two weeks about finding out information on a bill. In this case, I think we should give the uh, advocacy at acb.org. Yeah, great so idea. I, so great if idea. anyone okay. would like more written information, you can email Swatha and me at advocacy at acb.org. And we'd be happy to follow up with you that way. Also, if there are folks who do reach out to their members of Congress and you'd like to share your advocacy with us so we can track what offices have been contacted, that will be very helpful uh, for our efforts and the efforts of ACB Diabetics in Action. Kim, please unmute yourself. Could you give me one more time the number of the bill that is in the Senate also? The bill in the Senate is S-2901. Okay, 2901. 2901. And the bill in the House is HR 4853. I have that. There are two different bills, but uh, it's good for you to know them both. Okay, I'm going to contact both Senator and Rep. Thank you very much. And we hope that you'll join us in setting up specific meetings and participating in our Zoom day. We haven't announced the date yet, but we I will. will we will definitely, definitely try. Kim, where Thank are you from? I am in Fisher, Indiana. Okay. Very good. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Do we have one more third question. Who is that? We do. From? Nancy, please unmute. When they list the committee members who are on the House Committee of who is supporting this bill. If your member of Congress is not on that committee, can you still encourage him to be a sponsor? I tried doing that, and I didn't get much of a result. They're the ones you should most encourage because they're not sponsors. If someone's already a sponsor, uh, thank them for being a sponsor. But as long as if they're not members, then uh, one of your goals can be to contact them and ask them if they would sponsor 
that legislation to be a sponsor. All right. And I'll go back again. Thank you. And sure, Nancy, yeah. I'm going to be in touch with you about 2901. You probably figured okay. that out already, huh? Yes. <laughs> Not <laughs> so a problem. And, and Chris, right. there, I think there are two parts to that um, That okay, go ahead. question from Nancy. So if, if you look... Um, if you look at the, the, the individual bill, S-2901, for example, the, the sponsor is Senator Collins from Maine, mm-hmm. and the only co-sponsor is uh, Senator Shaheen from New Hampshire. So if you're reaching out to either of them, like Chris said, uh, give them a big you know, thank you for introducing and supporting this legislation. But if you're looking at, for example, the the committee in the U.S. Senate, the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, and you look at the committee roster and you notice that your senator is on the, the health committee, but they're not listed as a sponsor of this bill, that's a, another great reason to reach out to them, encourage them to support the bill. Uh, your your senator or your representative, uh, there's no requirement for them to be on a committee of jurisdiction, but it's always helpful when you get uh, those those representatives or those senators who serve on a committee of jurisdiction. So the Senate Help Committee or the in the House of Representatives, the committee for uh the Committee on Energy and Commerce, the Health Subcommittee, or the House Ways and Means Committee, Health Subcommittee. Um, those are members who should have a, a keen interest in supporting efforts like this. Christy, go ahead, please. Unmute. Mine is a question just simply, can you guys give um, the ACB Diabet- uh, Diabetics in Action website, please? It's acbda.org acb diabetics in action so acbda.org chris this is tom i would christy i would add to that this is tom that uh is currently under construction so not really sure what you're going to be able to see up there but feel free to visit um but jeff bishop our web uh chair is uh working on it as we speak so is anybody in the mood to do some role playing Actually, people are never usually in the mood, but <laughs> it, uh, it, it's a good thing to do. And uh, we thought we would include some of that today. Uh, I've found it to be very effective. And I would solicit a volunteer. And uh, I'll, I'll agree to be the first person to, to be the hill person you're visiting. We could role play making appointments, but, but I don't think that's all that hard. It's self-explanatory, but let's say you're walking into a legislator's office or you're uh, entering into a phone call with a specific goal in mind. Would anyone like to step up and volunteer to be the participant. Nancy has her hand up. Nancy. Is that Nancy Matulis? Yes, it is. 
Okay, so you walk in, you sit down, maybe you exchange a few business cards, and maybe you have a handout about your legislation, and, and you give that to them. But they're probably going to ask you, they're going to say, well, uh, Ms. Matulas, thank you very much for coming here. How can I help you today? So um, putting the ball right in your court. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, I sort of come with a little mental list in my head of what I want to do. And if I have to write things down, I do. I want to mm -hmm. know exactly what my bill number is and what it contains. Right. So that I can explain to them how important this is and how this, this affects <clears throat> my life, whether it's vision or diabetes or whatever the topic is. I want to make sure that I also get a follow-up after our discussion, that sure, I sure. want something in writing, yeah, not well, just we'll give you a call. Okay, okay. That's that's fine. But let, let's back up just a little bit. And uh, so let's say you're talking about, because this is where we have the most traction today. If you were talking about HR 4853, and you, you're right. You want to know the, the name of the bill. I won't expect you to know it right now. But let's say, say you're here to talk about that bill, H.R. 4853, Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act. And, uh, Nancy, I wonder if you could, could tell me so I can tell my, my, uh, my boss, what exactly does accessibility mean? What does non-visual accessibility device mean to you? To me, I want to be able to look at a glucose meter or a blood pressure machine or even a pacemaker and be able to determine what they are telling me because mm -hmm. I can't look at a screen like everybody else and say, this is what it's telling me. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I asked them, how would you feel if you were in this situation and your doctor gave you this blood pressure machine and said, record your blood pressure, but you can't access the information that's on it? I try and put them in the situation we're in that you can't read things um, and have them think about how would this affect their life. Um, so, so can you actually not see the screen of, of a device that that your doctor prescribes to you? Correct. Okay. Well, okay. So, so I think what you're saying is that you want to make uh, your device accessible by allowing you to read the screen. And uh, do you have any examples you can describe to me of how that's done? Well, the medical devices would have to have audio on them, so I would know which button to push, uh, how to access the number, and hope there is some type of a history in the machine so we would be able to, for example, check back and see what our blood sugars are. Okay, okay. And uh, are there any such devices available today that, that I could refer to as an example? 
Well, you get into um, using like the Freestyle Libre, which you can read with. Oh yeah, phone. I've seen those ads on TV. Cool device. But I don't have an iPhone, and Medicare won't give me one of those, so that doesn't do me any help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you want you don't want access through your phone. You want to be able to read the screen directly from whatever the manufacturer supplies to you. Correct. Okay. Okay. Well, listen, thank you very much for your visit, for your information. I'm going to take this information forward, and uh, I'll share it with my representative and, and see if there's some way we can move forward. Uh, you mentioned this bill number, uh, H.R. 4853, and we can talk yeah. about that. Uh, is there anything else I can do for you? Um, I want to make sure I get a written response concerning the support of a representative would give this bill. Well, how would it and be you if, have if you gave me a call in a week and we could touch base by phone? Uh, I myself prefer written responses, but I'd be happy to talk to you next week. But I still would like a written response. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's have a conversation first. Written responses can be forthcoming, but uh, they're they're not as apt to happen. It's it's a change of our procedure. Uh, to be quite honest, you're more apt to just get a flat sponsorship that you'll be able to see on the web, or I can tell you it's coming on the web, than a letter from our office. We're just inundated with letters, and it's it's impossible to answer them all. But uh, I, I do want to be in touch. I welcome your call. Uh, I've got your information here, and uh, here's my business card in case you need it for my name. And uh, please give me a week. And give me a ring back. Uh, thank you very much for seeing me, and I look forward to having future discussions. There you go. That That's one example of how a meeting might go. And trust me, they won't call you back. <laughs> <laughs> that is very, very rare. But uh, they won't refuse your call either. And, uh, oh, gosh, I've, I've had so many cases where I didn't get a call, didn't get a call, or I got a call. Oh, we promised to sponsor. We promised to sponsor uh, uh, a guy you may have heard of from Missouri named Lacey Clay, a re very strong, powerful representative who was in the House of Representatives. He'd promised to sponsor. Wouldn't happen. Promised to sponsor. Wouldn't happen. I'd call. Promised to sponsor. Wouldn't happen. I'd call. One day I look, lo and behold, no call back, no letter. He's a sponsor. <laughs> so that's just, you know, what, what you can expect. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. It would be nice to have it, you know, other ways. But, but uh, hey, I'll take a sponsorship any day of the week. Okay. Hey, Clark. Could I... Uh, have you be a, a, a role player and, and be a, a senator, a representative? I think you ought to be a senator. 
Well, hello there, young man. How are you doing today? Well, uh, not to me. I want to volunteer from the audience. <laughs> but you got a great beginning. Who from the audience would like to, to do a role play? Kim, go ahead, please. LA. And you are a what, a senator? That's right, ma'am. I'm I'm your senator. Where are you from? I live in Fishers, Indiana. Fishers, and I love that town. I I grew up nearby there. It is way cool. Would really. you like to take a photo? <gasps> sure, why not? <laughs> that is great. And what bring what brings you uh, to my office here today? Hold on, my I got to turn speech off here. Okay. I'm wondering, wondering if you have heard about Senate Bill 2901. I, I'm not familiar with that one. Why don't you tell me a little bit more about it? It is a bill that will require... I'm probably going to get this wrong. It will require um, manufacturers to make their products accessible to blind people. I'm talking about medical products like continuous glucose monitors, blood pressure cuffs, um, glucagon, I mean, uh, glucose meters. And the problem right now is that a lot of these are not made with an audio readout of whatever the equipment shows me on the screen. For example, I want to know my blood pressure level. And right now, if I get a Libre, it's called a a Libre, and I would only be able to get the Libre 1, not the Libre 2, because the Libre 2 won't be read by my iPhone. Now, Miss Kim, there's uh, there's information on the screen, though, right? Can't you just have a, a family member or a friend help you with this equipment? No, this is something you really want to be able to do on your own. Um, I don't want to have to bug a family member. Hey, I gotta I gotta do my blood sugar before we eat. Um, I would like this Libre. Has it, it comes with a reader, and you hold it up to a sensor that's in your arm, and it should say your blood sugar is 123. Then I'll know exactly what to do. Do I need insulin before I eat? Do I not? Um, and I will be able to get this info totally independent of other people. And the iPhone app would keep a record of that info for my doctor. But not all blind people can afford iPhones. I'm fortunate that I have one. But some people cannot afford that monthly bill. And they need an independent way to check them. And this... uh, this Senate Bill 2901, um, is, this a, is this a bipartisan piece of legislation? You know, who's, uh, 
Uh, Tell me a little bit more about this about this bill. Okay, it's being sponsored by. Yeah, I forget who it's being sponsored by, but um, I don't. That's all right. My uh, my intern Timmy just told me that it was uh, Susan Collins from Maine, and she's a good friend of mine. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Kim. I'm going to reach out to to Susan, and we're going to have a chat about this bill and. I'm going to have my my staff here take a look at it. Okay. And I know I realize that you're very busy. I am wondering if you could have them just send me a quick email um, if they have talked to you or if you or your staff could send me an email. This is really important and we need more people to sponsor this because the population is getting older. More of us are going to have maturity onset diabetes and we need to be able to take care of ourselves. Mom and dad are not going to be around forever. So I need your help. That's a great point, Miss Kim. And uh, you know what? I'll have my staff follow up with you, but do me a favor. If you don't hear from them in a week, I want you to give give our office a call and check in on the status of uh, where we are in reviewing that legislation. You know, things get pretty busy around here and the holidays yes. are coming up. So I don't okay. want I don't want you and this issue to slip through the cracks. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I will get back in touch. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Goodbye. Hey guys, good job. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That was fun. That was fun. We, if, if you all want to, we probably have time for one more. And, and I hope you're all learning from these, you know, put yourself in the position of the interviewee in particular, since that's who you're going to be. But uh, let, let's, if people are interested, we could do one more. And uh, then I want to talk about next steps and how to proceed from here because we're we only have so much time here so who would like to be the congressman's representative congressman or senator here's your chance to be the star tom how how are you feeling about that role um i'd rather let somebody else <laughs> I, okay. I, I just I give people an opportunity, but thanks for asking. Yes, yeah, just well, uh, that's all right. Yeah. Okay. Um, no hands are up. No hands are up. Well, panel members can all volunteer, and uh, if, if nobody else volunteers, I I, I may volunteer, but <laughs> I think you'd be a good senator, here. Chris. Pardon me. You'd be a good senator. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to compete with Clark here. He was pretty darn good. <laughs> Charles, you got any interest in that, or shall I just move ahead? Sometimes not hearing tells me what I want to know. Uh, you can change your mind, Charles. But what about a? What about a volunteer? Do we have a volunteer who? Hi, hi. Charles Chris. has his yes, hand sir. up. Sorry. Hi. I'm sorry. I had I was on mute and doing something. Yeah, um, yeah that's fine. You want to do <laughs> it? Promote. Okay. I'll promote myself. I love it. I love it. Hang on a second. So, is there is there a volunteer 
who would like to be the the visitor? Veronica. 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 Ooh, you can, you can give Charles. There a we go. Money, I know. <laughs> okay, guys. Find the find the raisin. But there we. Hey, Veronica. Hey, hi there. Take it away, guys. Hello, young lady. How can I help you? Hi, I'm so appreciative of this opportunity to come speak to you. And I am one of your constituents. And I'm here to talk to you about H.R. 4853. The reason that it's so important that I talk to you about this bill is this will make all medical devices usable by people like me who are blind or visually impaired. And well, as I understand it, can't you use an iPhone or a friend to read the the uh, not reading? Not everything works with an iPhone. And as for using a friend, picture yourself. Let's say that you are the representative, and you are on the House floor, and all of a sudden you start feeling a little funny if you're a diabetic and your blood sugar is a little bit low and you want to quickly look and see, is this device going to tell me I'm okay? Are you really going to want to stand on that house floor and go, excuse me, I need somebody to come up here and read that number? Well, how about, you know, friends or relatives? But I'm talking about in the moment when you're on the house floor. Yeah. You, need to, you need to look at your blood pressure. You need to, and friends or family aren't always possible because some people live alone. We don't have yeah. caregivers. We go places. We travel. We are not always with our friends and family. And sometimes my medical stuff isn't anybody else's business. And sometimes it's really If I need to look at my blood sugar, it's really quick. And even if it's on an iPhone. So here, let me show you this. This is my remote control for my insulin pump. Watch what happens when I push this button. I push the button. See, no sound, nothing. And everything right now is coming with touch screens, everything from sleep apnea monitors to blood pressure meters, all kinds of stuff. And we need to be able to not get stuck and have less than optimal medical care because we can't read it. The technology is there. Well, you know, if you're following your doctor's advice as to medication, what effect could not knowing what those rings are have on your health. Because especially for someone who is a type one diabetic, your medication decisions are made based on what that device tells you. Okay. So my device tells me that my blood sugar is 200 because of my discussions with my doctor. I know what to do with that number. If I don't know the number, I don't know how to treat it. So my blood sugar could continue to go up and up and up. And then Medicare has to pay a whole lot of extra money to treat the complications that happened because I didn't have good control. So even though you you follow your doctor's advice as to medication, 
you can experience those complications? I will have a much better chance of not experiencing complications if I follow his advice. But his advice is when your device tells you this is what's happening, then here's what you do. So his advice and the standard of care, and you can look this up, it's actually in some of your legislation. The standard of care for diabetes now involves using these monitors, involves you know, watching your blood pressure. So you have to be able to read that. People need to be able to check your oxygen levels. Okay, so if my doctor says, don't exercise if your oxygen level is below 96, how can I decide whether or not to exercise without looking at what my oxygen level is? So it's information. That's the key word. It's all based on getting the information. And what this legislation will do is establish a system that requires all of these manufacturers to put in that component that makes a device talk to me or magnify the screen and tell me what I need to do. So it's you know, access you're, you're, to information. You're, you're one of the most informed persons I've talked to in this job. And, and I really respect your knowledge and, and um, persistence. And I would like to know is how are you sharing this information with other blind people or diabetics? Well, part of the reason that I am here is we are working through the American Council of the Blind Diabetes Action Network. I mean, no, oops, <laughs> American Council of the Blind. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've talked to too many organizations today. <laughs> uh, I understand. American Council of the Blind Diabetics in Action. Um, and so we are working together with all sorts of organizations because this is so important. I mean, it can become life-threatening and we are all loving life. We are contributing, voting members of society. We have jobs and we want to stay alive. We want to keep it going. So, so we are what can this you. office, what can, what can this office do for you? One of the most important things you could do would be to co-sponsor HR 4853. This would help move it forward in the committees and eventually to the whole house. That would be probably the most important first steps. Okay. So um, can you call my office uh, in about a week and then we can further discuss what actions we can take? Oh, you bet. I sure can. Okay, great. And I really appreciate you listening to my examples and my stories and looking at my pump remote. And just remember the key word is access to information, saving lives, and really saving money for Medicare, the insurance companies, and having healthier people. So thank you very much. Thank you. It's very informative. Hey, guys, good job. That was great. And, and I think each of us did different things, and, and that's good, too, because you never know what to expect. You never know what you're going to be asked or what the reception's going to be and so forth. This was, this was terrific. 
I hope everybody found value in that. And uh, I want to move now to talk about next steps. So the next major step, as I described to you near the beginning of the call, is our Zoom room day. The date has not been established for that exactly, but the idea is that we will have a Zoom room, we'll announce the room, and people can schedule appointments with one or more of their delegation at that time, and uh, we'll have like a half-hour conversation. There'll be people from ACB and ACBDA to support you in that endeavor and help you keep notes and things like that, depending on the reaction. And uh, the question is, you need to be in touch with us about your willingness and desire to participate in that Zoom room day. We don't know how many people are out there uh, or how many people have been out there. I know there are 15 right now, but I don't know how many there have been during the course of the event. Um, so contact us. We'll invite people to contact us on our lists and so forth, but uh, contact us. Let us know of your interest so we can announce to you when that day is actually happening, and that's important. Uh, if we can't do that, then we're going to be in trouble. So that would be the next major step. Now, I'm envisioning that day to be within a couple of weeks. Uh, we'd like to do it during uh, Diabetes Awareness Month, but uh, it, it may not be that we can because of holidays and the schedule, et cetera, et cetera. So we have to think and talk about that, put our heads together with Clark and Swetha and, and see what we can do. Um, then, of course, there's having the day itself and describing exactly how that will work. We'll have you write in to us with your appointment times and uh, set up the appointments. The room will be open all day. So like from 10 a.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern, the room will be open, maybe even later. We have to talk about that a little bit more and decide. And uh, as I say, your next step is to either, if you know how, identify, write to us individually, or best of all, write to advocacy, A-D-V-O-C-A-C-Y, at acb.org, write to advocate, advocacy at acb.org, and express your willingness to uh, participate in this event. We'd love to have you there, and... Uh, I'll now check the time, and I see we're moving on pretty quickly. For a, a final wrap-up, are there any comments or questions that you might have? What do they want to know? No hands yet. No hands yet. Now, did we do that good a job, guys? <laughs> I have a hard time believing that. 
But if there are no hands, do any of the panelists have anything they wish to say before we wrap up? Chris, we have one hand. Veronica's hand hand is up. Okay. Just popped up. (laughs) Very good. Go ahead, Veronica. Hi there. Did did, did that actually unmute? Yep, you're unmuted. unmuted. Okay, great. Can you just clear up one one little thing for me? I'm just a little confused on the next phase, on the Zoom room. Do we, if we want to participate, which I do, um, do we contact our representative and invite them to the Zoom room, or is it just we show up in the Zoom room and you guys invite people? I'm just a little fuzzy on how that would invite. Yeah, you would invite them to the Zoom room. Of course, we have to tell you what it is first, which we haven't done. But we'll, you would invite them to the Zoom room and and talk with and talk with them there. Now, it may be they don't want to do a Zoom call. They might want to just talk, set up an appointment with the legislative aide or uh, even better, the congressman or whatever, and talk that way. Uh, that's possible too. Uh, so. Follow their lead, but the Zoom room is there for you, and we can support you in that room, and uh, that might be a a benefit you can mention to them. But if they just want to do a call, by all means, do a call. Let us know what happens. But we have to to send you the, the link and the date for the Zoom room to help get you started. Chris, you did a great job. Thank you. Well, thank you, Charles. Appreciate it. You as well. I thought things went even better than I expected. I mean, you know, I think I think this was great. I, yep, I enjoyed Chris. myself. Hope everybody else did. And uh, that being said, thank you all for attending the ACBDA and Get Up and Get Moving Advocacy 101 workshop. And we will definitely be in touch, and we certainly hope you'll be in touch with us as well. Thank you very much and good afternoon. This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. ACBM wants to send along heartfelt greetings to all of its family throughout the ACB community. Having hosted two outstanding and invigorating ACB national conventions, they are committed to expanding opportunity for Americans who are blind and visually impaired. ACBM supports the James R. Olson Memorial Scholarship honoring one of its past members, and they continue to not let life during these challenging times slow down. ACBM invites all to their informative bi-monthly community conference calls, ranging on everything from sports and technology to gardening and loving life in the land of 10,000 lakes. They hold quarterly monthly membership meetings, monthly coffee gatherings, and monthly board meetings. To learn more about ACBM, visit their website at www acbminnesota.org or call 612-223-5543. ACBM, a supporter of the ACB Media Network.